0: You guys, I just want to take a moment to thank Matt and Steph and Dulcie for being part of our service today. Youth With A Mission is an incredible organization here in Fort McMurray and uh, they are well deserving of your attention and any help that you can send their way. Uh, you guys, I thought I would uh, start off my message today by just giving you an update of some of the things that have been happening uh, in my family's life uh, in the last little while. So. Last month, um, Adrian's dad uh, died unexpectedly after having surgery to relieve some nerve pain that he was experiencing. Uh, He had been sick for a couple of years, uh, but nobody was expecting uh, it to happen so soon. And in spite of all of the COVID-19 travel restrictions that are out there, we were able to get Adrian on a flight down to Arkansas so that she could be with her mom and her two sisters. Miss Terry, Haley, and Savannah. And when I dropped Adrian off at the Calgary Airport, I gotta tell you, it was incredibly eerie. We were the only vehicle in in the drive-through. I didn't see another person in the whole place. Later on, Adrian would tell me that once she got inside, uh, it was a ghost town, uh, that parts of the airport that are normally lit and open were closed and dark, that bathrooms had no lights in them, there was nothing open. Um, She said it was a totally eerie experience as well. she made it there and back Uh, she has been home for almost two weeks now uh, but she's in quarantine still till tomorrow Uh, tomorrow she'll be done her 14 days of quarantine and we'll be able to go down to turner valley and she'll be able to see our kids who she hasn't seen in a month so we're really uh, looking forward to that and i'm glad to have her back Uh, her dad joe was a very special Man, well, I think we're going to show you a picture of me and my dad and Joe on my wedding day. You can see he is a mountain of a man. And I first met Joe when he moved up to Fort McMurray in 2003 and he brought his whole family up here. He was working on the UE1 project. And I was just a dumb teenager with a crush on his daughter, Adrian. And I remember, you know, to his credit, Joe never threatened me with a shotgun. He never threatened me to get her home on time. He wasn't worried about Adrian. He knew that she could hold her own. He respected her ability to make wise decisions. Joe was raising daughters that could hold their own, and if you've met any of them, you know that's definitely true. So when I was 19, uh, I worked up the courage to call Joe and to ask him if I could marry his daughter. It was a very intimidating thing to do for me, as many men out there will, will tell you. And so I called him up and I asked the question and, and he paused. He paused for what felt like an eternity, but I'm sure it was only a second or two. And then he said, well, Lucas, I don't know. You should probably ask Adrian. <laughs> He had a way with words and he did not like to waste any of them. Joe grew up in a world where the rights and roles of women are very different than they are now. He grew up in a time when women's role was in the home and and that was pretty much it. And so when Joe had three daughters, it would have been very natural for him to raise them in that way. But Joe had grew up with a mom who was one of the first women to graduate from college in the state of Illinois. And he had learned something from his mother about how formidable a woman can be. And so Joe raised his daughters in a different way. He raised them with the gift of self-esteem, of confidence, and of dignity. And in this way, Joe was a lot like Jesus. And when Jesus walked this world, things were very different than they are for you and I now. Like we talked about last week, women had essentially no rights and children had no dignity. Racism was an acceptable practice and there was no such thing as intrinsic value. There were haves and have-nots. There were people with power and then there was the people who were under that power. Jesus walked into a world that you and I would barely even recognize. He stepped into this world and instead of cozying up to the rich and the powerful, instead of surrounding himself with the religious elite, he found the people society chose to throw out and he made them his friends. He became friends with the outcasts and losers, those looked down upon and those considered sinful and detestable by society. In this way, Jesus truly lived a scandalous life. And today we're gonna to look at another scandal that Jesus found himself in, another time when people looked at him judgmentally because of, the way he, because of the people he surrounded himself with. Luke tells us this story in Luke 7. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, and so she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. Now, For context, we should probably talk about what a Pharisee is. A Pharisee was the religious elite of the day. Uh, They were fluent in the ancient Hebrew scriptures and they strictly followed those Jewish customs and laws. Uh, The origin of the word Pharisee literally means to be set apart. Uh, And because of this, many Pharisees developed a deep sense of entitlement, of being superior and better than everyone else and they maintained that attitude by not associating with anybody they considered lower than themselves. And so this Pharisee, Simon, he invites Jesus into his home. Uh, Jesus is an up-and-coming rabbi. And so Simon probably sees this as a way to kind of collect a celebrity to ride on Jesus' coattails. And so he invites him over. And so here is Simon, the Pharisee, enter- entertaining Jesus in his home. And the unthinkable happened. This immoral woman walks into the room. Now, we don't know what for sure made her so immoral in this story. uh, It's likely that she was a prostitute, but we can't be totally sure. What we we can be sure of, everyone in the room knew who she was, and they knew what kind of life she lived, and they disapproved of her deeply. This woman walks into the room, and suddenly everybody goes quiet. What is she doing here? Who does she think she is? Who let her in? She doesn't belong here. And I try to imagine how awkward this moment is with everyone being so quiet. And Luke tells us what happened next. He said, as she stood behind him at the feet of Jesus weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. And then she wiped them with her hair and kissed them and poured perfume on them. The room is silent. The tension is growing. All you can hear is the weeping of this woman at the feet of Jesus. Her tears falling to the ground. Who's going to kick her out? Who is going to stop this? Who is going to put an end to this awkwardness? And Jesus can sense the judgment in the hearts of the Pharisees there that night. And he calmly says... Simon, I have something to tell you. And Simon says, tell me, teacher. And Jesus says, two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50, and neither of them had money to pay him back. So he forgave the debts of both. Now, Simon, which one of them will love him more? Simon takes a moment before answering. Uh, Jesus is holding up this mirror for Simon, and I don't think he likes what he sees. He's been caught in this trap. pride and judgment, they're ugly things, aren't they? And Simon replies, well, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. This is the moment that gets me in this story every time. Jesus turns now towards this woman and she's overcome with emotion and she can hardly keep it together and all her life people have looked down on her. They've talked about her behind her back. They've hurled insults at her her way. No one would love her. No one would be close to her. People would avoid even making eye contact with her. And now she's laid herself at the feet of Jesus Her heart is fully exposed. She is totally vulnerable in this moment. And then Jesus turns his face towards her and their eyes meet. His gaze is full of grace, full of acceptance, overflowing with love. And as he looks into her eyes, he asks Simon a powerful question. Do you see this woman? Do you see this woman? Do you see past her tear-stained face? Can you see past her sins and her mistakes? Can you see what I see? I am lucky to have parents that worked out their faith in a very honest and transparent way when I was growing up. And there were ups and downs, they weren't perfect, but they lived out their faith in a way that was full of grace. And my mom tells a story about my dad, that dad had gone into the store to grab a case of beer, and while my mom waited in the car. And as mom was waiting, she noticed a street person sitting on the ground in front of the store, begging for money. And my mom, she's one of the most grace-filled people I know, uh, but she tells me that her thoughts failed her in this moment, that she began to judge this woman, that as she waited in the car, this... Condemnation silently built up inside her. What mistakes did this woman make to get here? Who has she hurt? Why can't she just work like everybody else? It's easy for us to fall into this trap of judgment. And mom says that dad came out of the store and he came straight to the car and he asked her for a $20 bill. And then mom watched as dad went over to this woman and he got down on his knee in front of her and that he took her hands in his and looked her in the eyes and asked her what her name was. And then spent the next 10 minutes on the ground next to her, talking to her, treating her as someone of value, as someone who deserves eye contact, as someone who deserves love and affection and care. He looked right into her eyes and treated her like a person. He showed her the love of God. Do you see this woman? Jesus asked. Simon, do you really see her? Do you see her love? Do you see her repentance? Do you see her devotion? Do you see a child of God? Do you see someone who reflects the goodness of their creator? That is what I see. Luke 7, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me water for my feet, but she wet my feet with tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. And then Jesus said to her, he looked at her again. Grace in his eyes and a smile on his face. Your sins are forgiven. Now, maybe you know this. Maybe you don't. But this this is important. Jesus sees you. He sees you. He sees you in a way that nobody else does. He sees past your filtered selfies and your perfectly curated Instagram profile. He sees past your biggest mistakes and and, and your biggest failures. He sees past your biggest regrets and your deepest shame. And you know what he sees? He sees someone of value. He sees his good creation. He sees someone worthy of his love. He sees someone he created on purpose, for a purpose. He sees someone that matters. This, this is the scandalous love of Jesus. When I was probably six or seven years old, I watched the old movie Labyrinth uh, with David Bowie. Uh, it was a weird and frightening movie for a little kid to watch, but the part that scared me most, uh, uh, the part that kept me up for nights afterwards uh, was that the sister in the film just wished that this her baby brother would disappear. And he did. And that was the whole premise of the show. And the whole movie was her trying to rescue him. And I started to wonder, If my parents would ever wish for me to disappear. Uh, A ridiculous thought, but most fears are ridiculous, aren't they? I stressed and I cried and I worried about this for a few nights before I walked into my parents room one night, tears streaming down my face and I blurted out, please please don't ever wish for me to disappear. Now I I can look back on that fear and I can tell you how ridiculous that fear is. My parents would never wish that. They loved me. They cared for me. I think they they even liked me. But sometimes we have these doubts about God, right? Maybe he's ashamed of me. Maybe he made a mistake with me. Maybe he wants nothing to do with me. I've, I've gone too far. I've done too much. Maybe I'm not good enough. It's thoughts like this that stop us from taking the next steps in our faith. It's these thoughts that convince us that we're not ready to be baptized. It's these thoughts that that help us to think that we could never serve on a team helping others at Fort City. It's these thoughts that stop us from going public with our faith. These fears are as ridiculous as being scared of David Bowie snatching you in the middle of the night while you're sleeping. Paul put it this way in Romans 5. He said, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, while you and I were still sinners, Christ died for us. That while we didn't deserve it, while we were broken, while we were sinful, while we were gone doing our own thing, God reached out his hand towards us in an offer of love and acceptance and grace. He loved us when we were unlovable. He reached out to us when we were untouchable. And he looked at us with grace in his eyes, even when others wouldn't even make eye contact with us. Today, I'm going I'm to pray, and I want to invite you to pray with me, to ask God to help you see yourself the way he sees you, to help you to see others the way he sees them, and to discover that freedom that comes from accepting his scandalous offer to follow him. Jesus, we just take a moment to come before you to thank you for your scandalous love, for your grace that is a free gift. And we thank you that Jesus, even in this world where Uh, sometimes we feel unseen, we feel hidden, we feel like we've got to hide our shame and our guilt. That Jesus, you see past all of that. That you see a person that you created on purpose, for a purpose. Jesus, help us to move past that. Help us to know that you see us. And Jesus, help us to follow you in the ways of your scandalous love. Pray this in your holiest names. Amen.